0: You're listening to a Marcus Sahaba online radio podcast.
1: Wasail al-Alam Asadika, truthful news. And Alhamdulillah, this evening uh, we are once again blessed uh, to be in the company of our brother, Inayat wadi, a world-renowned uh, broadcaster, a journalist uh, who does, uh, you know, who goes the extra mile and he's spoken to everyone. And perhaps uh, we are very, uh, you know, blessed to have him in this sense that uh, perhaps I could interrogate him and ask him the amount of interviews that he's done, maybe this month alone, uh, running into the hundreds of talking to different personalities in the place called Gaza, Palestine. And Inayat has been doing it for many, many years. Inayat, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa When it comes to Islamic broadcasting, you are one of its icons. Jazakallah khaira for joining us on Wasail al-Elam al Truthful News. How are you doing this evening, my beloved brother?
0: Wa alaykum as-salamu alaykum and salamu alaykum as-salamu alaykum to all your listeners. Alhamdulillah. Beautiful Juma, Very hot out here in Jawbek. But uh, considering what is played right across the entire world, we are thankful. We need to make sure. We, we need to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But uh, also at the same time, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us uh, the platform to talk, uh, to bring out the news, to be able to... Broadcast to the world so that uh, everyone at this point in time, we know many, many people are in a state of worry. They are in a state of concern. And uh, look at us, uh, at this point in time uh, being turned from a concentration camp to an extermination camp. And we see this ethnic cleansing continuing, this culture policy. This uh, apartheid regime still continues outplaying this lie that. Uh, out its history from the creation of this murderous state of Israel, uh, which began with the lie. Seventy-five years later, they continue playing out the lie. Shafar.
1: Now, you know you make a valid point. Indeed, uh, the story goes on, and you know you find uh, many of these uh, mainstream media. They uh, be- uh, bring in a lot of our Palestinian ge- uh, guests, and they talk about uh, you know those people that are influencers and so forth. And uh, the first question is: uh, Do you condemn? Hamas. Do you condemn Hamas? In other, in other words, they're trying to put them in the back, back foot. But uh, recently, we have noticed uh, that uh, you know these people that are coming in uh, have learned the art of turning the tables on on on, on these people. And you know, many say that uh, uh, the algorithms, you know, is being lost, uh, or Israel is uh, losing its uh, PR work. Is uh, losing out on the support of the majority. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Naita, you know, and uh, the type of questioning uh, that comes from uh, mainstream media is so predictable, Naita? Well, it certainly
0: is predictable. In fact, the question that you raised about condemning Hamas, that seems to be the first question that uh, comes to mind, and that seems to be the most per question, because uh, everyone is actually seeking condemnation of Hamas, but the uh, PR campaign that you speak of, and you speak of the Israeli narrative, Uh, That has been debunked over and over again, and more so at this time. And uh, if we go back uh, to 1948 to the Nakba, the 1967 war, and we've seen it over and over all the other operations that Israel has launched against Palestinians and Gaza in particular, they were able to sell this narrative, but not anymore, because we are living in a different age. We are living in the age of uh, digital technology. We are living in an age where everything can be verified. And uh, to this date, in fact, I had an interview earlier on. And the one issue that uh, stuck out is uh, Israel can no longer claim to be the victim because the images that we see are horrific images. And uh, whatever they're doing in terms of the genocide and the ethnic cleansing and the barbarity and the brutality, all of that that is playing out can be verified. On the other side of the coin, trying to play the victim mentality, there's very little that they've been able to actually come out with. And uh, everything that they've even the mainstream media, even world leaders, people like Joe Biden, the 40 baby killing issue, uh, CNN, the release of the prisoners that had taken place, the two uh, women that were released. uh, We've seen uh, the, 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 the contrasting reports coming through. And again, the mainstream media has been debunked because uh, these are people that are talking, they have been recorded, they are on video clips, uh, and these are being made viral. And uh, this is where uh, the, 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 the mainstream narrative uh, has been debunked over and over again, and each and every lie has been exposed. We've seen Joe Biden retracting his statements, we've seen media corporations retracting their statements, and uh, again, uh, Hamas... Uh, in terms of their conduct, uh, right up front, from the very first day when the al-Aqsa flood had begun, one of the first directors given by the leadership was conduct in battle. Conduct yourself, according to Islamic people. Do not harm women. Do not harm children. Do not harm non-combatants. And uh, yet we've seen this delusional propaganda at work, but they've had to retract the statements over and over again. And uh, the condemnation of Hamas... Hasn't happened. You mentioned many Palestinian uh, commentators, analysts, uh, and uh, many other interviews that have been done over and over again. And this blatant refusal to condemn Hamas because we know what the situation is on the ground.
1: You know how horrendous uh, this is, uh, you know, to come out and blatantly lie. That they were babies beheaded, and they were doing this to the woman and they were doing this to the children. And you know, you as you said, uh, you had uh, some of these uh, prisoners that were released, and they said these people treated us with so much of dignity and uh, so much of decorum. And you know, they actually said the word, "We are Muslims," and you know, don't be afraid. We will, ha- you know, will uh, treat you with dignity and empathy and sympathy. And uh, the, these are things that you know we have an ideal opportunity of a propagating to the world and maybe uh, the Western world is listening to us now, Inaita, because as you see, you know, throughout the world, uh, there's it uh, in, in Italy and in, you, you, even in France, you get the, these people in Scotland. I mean, Scotland and Ireland. I mean, I just feel like hugging them. You know what the, the soccer teams are doing there and so forth. But they are so passionate about the Palestinian issue. It's just unreal, Inayat. What goes through your mind when you think of the Scots and the uh, Irish?
0: Well, we've always known that the Scots and the Irish have uh, stood up. And uh, if we go back to the time of the uh, IRA as well, uh, you know they were branded as a group. And the Irish have always been fighting for a cause. And uh, it's not something that has happened now only. Over and over, we've heard this. We've seen it in the past. Where even when it came to leading the boycott against Israel, Israeli goods, Israeli products, we've seen supermarkets being... Heed uh, out with Israeli groups. So they've always supported the Palestinian struggle. The same that one can say about the Scots, uh, which is, uh, you know, very, very different from what we see playing out in Britain, in the UK. But even in the UK, if you look at it, it's on the ground. A lot of has been playing out with regard to the government. We've seen Rishi uh, Sunak going, meeting up with Benjamin Netanyahu, giving him the green light and says, you know what, just go ahead. With Whatever you are doing, but uh, people are starting to get to grips with reality truth uh, this is a, a question of truth and reality where the truth must actually be told uh, the hard facts that are now starting to surface and you know some people have been labeled uh, all that is playing out as a false flag operation and uh, Again, when one talks about uh, four-flag operations, when one talks about conspiracy theories, now we've seen uh, history where we've seen in recent years, we've seen many dubious conspiracy theories that come through labeling real events. And this is what I'm saying. We need to look at reality and we need to look at the truth. Where real events are now being labeled as four flags to justify the expansion of some of these governments and uh, this is where uh, the, uh, one needs to actually view these things very, very skeptically, Shafat. You know, real force flag operations, uh, in the true sense of the word, are logistically complex. Okay. And uh, they rope in a significant number of people. It is a well calculated plan, you know, like, for instance, 9 11 that we are talking about. Yeah, we are talking of large scale violence that have taken place and violence in the most brutal form to the point it's become a genocide and it's become a, a, a brutality in the worst form. Now, this is where the Irish, the Scottish, they have never, ever bought into these theories, okay? Compared to Europe, compared to many of the other countries, the 84 countries that are supporting the United States of America over and over again, the Irish and the Scottish know because they've also had a history. They've also had a history, uh, and this is the reason why the Irish feel very, very silly. And uh, when one looks at social media, we've seen many commentators. In fact, there are many uh, other uh, leaders right across the entire world. We've seen even a country like Spain, where we've seen some of their political leaders now come out in the open condemning. We've seen it in the European Union, Parliament as well, where... Uh, uh, I, I think it was the Spanish representative as well uh, with the Palestinian flag in there, and he was rebuked for that. So the truth is coming out; it's coming out in the open, and the facts are going to speak for themselves.
1: You know, a great point indeed. And you can't hide the fact now because with the social media doing uh, uh, the uh, you know the, the true reporting, and you know still you find the uh, Israelis are trying to. Uh, uh, you know denigrate the Palestinians and with this uh, social media platforms and so forth, but uh, people are seeing uh, through them, and as we knew, there was the Bali bombing there was the seven seven uh, there was the nine eleven and all these things that you know they ushered in uh, with the, uh, i mean nine uh, eleven was such a evil one that they ushered in a new world disorder where you found uh, you know afghanistan iraq, and uh, you know, name them, all all these countries that were put under the cosh. You know, uh, many people were gone into Guantanamo Bay, some uh, people still lagging there, all these things. But it was, uh, you know, slowly but surely, the world started thinking, and, uh, you know, what these people were all about. The American army, uh, the military was exposed for doing uh, all these, uh, you know, different types of torture, uh, which was so inhumane. But as we move on, and, you know, we make the point that... uh, Here's a different type of scenario in Gaza today because of, you know, Allahu Alam, of what's happening now. The whole world knows what is exactly going on because uh, no matter what uh, BBC or what Fox News says or uh, Sky News, the people know no, these guys are, you know, compromised. And that a true narrative is coming from those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given hidayat in it. It's a truly falsehood. Uh, uh, you know, versing uh, the truth, and truth shall prevail, and falsehood perish. Your thoughts tonight. I hope uh, we haven't uh, lost tonight. There with, uh, some of the thunders coming through, but I hope uh, hopefully we will try and uh, get him, uh, uh, Lukolo. And uh, yes, uh, the points that we're making—that uh, many types of scenarios are coming through, many things are happening. And as night talks about uh, false flag operation, uh, you know, all these things are being done deliberately. And uh, maybe perhaps uh, we could ask Inayat uh, about uh, the uh, scenarios. I mean, he brought in uh, uh, the important issue of our bankers and the bankers uh, that are really, uh, you know, ruling the roost. And <coughs> for them to survive, uh, they need to keep uh, this status quo going. And the status quo is the Riva system must stay. Cremlins come in and sometimes Farooq bhai comes in and he says, hey, I want to listen. you most welcome, Farooq bhai. You can listen. Yeah. You'll enjoy us. Yes, you know, you were talking about this false flag operation and, you know, how the Irish react to it. And, you know, today with all of what's happening with the uh, social media, it seems as if the social media platforms, whom uh, governments want to uh, control, if you look at the Facebook, so you look at the YouTube channel, you look at the Instagram, uh, there is a powerful Zionist presence which, uh, you know, these uh, people that control or they run these platforms, the acuents to the pressures are put on by the Zionist brigades. Your response to that, Inayat? Well, Shepard,
0: I'm going to give you an example. On October the 9th, which is two days into the brutality that was unfolding, this is when the Israeli army made its intentions to wipe out Gaza. In New York, there's a magazine called Women's Health. And they published an article, and this article was entitled, How to Cope with the Trauma of Violent Images and Videos of Hamas' Attack on Israel. Now, it is unsurprising that this uh, potential for trauma had been detected two days after October the 7th. Okay? And this was solely as a reaction to Hamas's surprise attack on Israel. Now, this is now clearly another example of Israel's carefully crafted monopoly on victimization. And this is what they've done. They've actually weaponized empathy. So their monopoly, the Israeli monopoly on victimizing defies all logic and reality. And this is where we come in and we see this victim mentality. And uh, also at the same time, Trying to influence the world narrative. Now, this time around, it's been very different. As I mentioned, the role of social media, and we've seen Hamas use social media to good effect. Where unlike the Nagma of 1948, you know, the digital age wasn't there. But what we've seen is looking at ourselves, looking at the role of Muslim media and how we've come to rely on social media to do broadcasting, and uh, it's, um, it's a good thing, because what has happened is we are now starting to see reality. We don't need to call on mainstream media. We don't need to call on mainstream journalists. We don't need to call any of them, because it's in front of us. It's uh, there for everyone to see openly in terms of what is unfolding. And at the same time, With the use of social media, we are able to get to people directly involved in the conflict. We've uh, had the opportunity of uh, talking to some of the Hamas leadership. We've had the opportunity of talking to people inside Gaza while all this brutality was uh, going on. To the extent that I've had the opportunity of uh, even talking to a doctor in Gaza. And this doctor was able to describe to me even the sounds of the bombs, which bomb came from the ocean, which bomb came from from the air, what was the sound like of a drone? And she even told me she says, "If I remain silent for a few minutes, you will even hear the sound of the drones. So what i 'm saying is this is real live reporting, and it is coming off the ground. so Israel can never, ever dispute the narrative because this is exactly what it's all about. And this is the reason why I say that any conspiracy theory needs to be dismissed because we shouldn't be caught up in all of this. Our issue here is to look at Palestine in terms of what is happening, to look at Palestine as a cause and not only the Palestinians as a nation. And while the world is trying to, or the Zionists are trying to sway world opinion in favor of Zionist agenda, it is becoming increasingly clearer to the world that this is an unjust battle. It is a battle of freedom versus apartheid. It is about justice versus brutality. And all of this, at the end of the day, tells us one thing. We need to draw the line. When one looks at what is playing out, it is about hak versus batil. It is truth versus falsehood. It is about evil versus virtue. It is about oppression versus freedom. It is about adversity. It is about a struggle versus apathy. So we need to be very, very clear that in our call, we are calling for liberation. We are not calling for evacuation. We are not calling for devastation. We are not calling for humiliation. We are not calling for annihilation. So all of that put into perspective tells us that this is the reason why Hamas has succeeded why the world has succeeded through social media, and this is the reason why we see this unwavering solidarity with Palestine, Shafak.
1: You know, Inayza, you make a lot of sense with the experience that you've had, uh, which has come to the fore, and Alhamdulillah, really, uh, you know, you're giving us uh, food for thought here, and Allah bless you for that. What I want to do is very quickly talk about, uh, suddenly, we don't hear anything about Ukraine. Uh, There has been a U-turn Everything is on Gaza, U.S. with the, you know, uh, with the Israel and Netanyahu and uh, uh, Biden and all these guys getting together and uh, making big noise and uh, getting uh, support from France and uh, name the countries. But on the ground, uh, in ice, uh, we want to know, and uh, then you also hear that uh, Putin had a cardiac arrest and the other time they told us he's gone uh, deranged and he's about to die and so forth. What is happening there, is there a... Uh, you know, a paradigm shift that uh, Ukraine is uh, perhaps, you know, Russia gave it a good hiding. That's a loss account. Let's put our eggs in one basket and uh, back Israel and put our agenda back on uh, track by uh, getting a war escalator or start uh, beating the drums of war. And uh, let's get back track and uh, get our war done. What's your thoughts there,
0: Well, just looking at the Russians well, at this point in time, obviously they are still committed in Ukraine. The United States is still committed in Ukraine. the United Kingdom and all those that supported Ukraine are still heavily involved in Ukraine. And uh, at this point in time, although we've seen uh, the United States making two aircraft carriers available to Israel, uh, the United States cannot commit a lot more to Israel because uh, they, their, priority, their priority is not Israel. Their priority is not Russia at this point in time. Their priority is still Russia, their priority is still uh, China, because when one looks at uh, the United States, uh, this war in Ukraine has cost them an arm and a leg. When one looks at all the other uh, wars that they've been involved in, Afghanistan, 20 years down the line, it's cost them a lot. When one looks at the involvement in Europe, exactly the same thing, and previously, They had people to actually fund their wars for them. At this point in time, they definitely want to fund their wars. Okay. The other issue is looking at it from a Russian perspective. Russia will still continue doing what they want to, but we've learned yesterday about the Hamas delegation holding talks uh, into Moscow where they met uh, and they were led by uh, Dr. Musa Abu Marzuk. And he is the head of international relations with Hamas. He met with the Russian president's special envoy in the Middle East. He met with the deputy minister of foreign affairs in Russia. And uh, also they focused, obviously, on the Israeli aggression on the Gaza Strip, but also looking at strategies to halt some of these crimes. Now, what Hamas has told the Russians, and they talked about the right of the people of Palestine to freedom, to self-determination, the right of return, but also at the same time, they emphasize their right to resist the Israeli occupation b- via all available means. The other issue here with the United States of America is they know, and uh, just early on, we heard that there was some breakthroughs that were made with Qatar in terms of prisoner exchange that could possibly lead uh, to some sort of a ceasefire. Now, whether this is going to be a permanent ceasefire or whether this is going to be just a humanitarian ceasefire. But these are talks, and I believe that they are at an advanced stage. Uh, uh, and, 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 and what Qatar is trying to do is trying to facilitate some sort of a prisoner exchange. But then left left to see this is just press news. It's just all of the press at this point in time. But again, uh, the hypocrisy as far as Ukraine is concerned, we've seen it very, very clearly, where we've seen the world come and the, come, the world come out against Russia. We haven't seen the world coming through. I mean, we, we haven't seen the stranglehold that uh, Russia has in terms of Ukraine not allowing food, not allowing uh, fuel, not allowing uh, cutting of electricity. All of this, where Gaza is concerned, they've been strangled. And uh, looking at the humanitarian catastrophe that is unfolding, uh, you know, you're getting piecemeals. Normally, uh, between the Rafa crossing and Gaza, you're talking of four to five the trucks, a day that come into Gaza, providing a food, medicine, whatever people need. You need to consider that Gaza doesn't manufacture its own product. So it is reliant on the out world to bring in all of this. And this has been happening for the last 17 years. At this point in time, you're talking of uh, a drop in the ocean. So you send 40 trucks. It's not even going to make a difference. Gaza has got 2.2 million people. What aid you're sending in or medical assistance, It's possibly for about 100,000 people. What about the rest? So, you know, this is where, uh, you know, Russia obviously has been calling for a ceasefire. The Americans know it's going to be costly. It's going to be very, very expensive. Should Israel go on the ground? If there is a ground invasion, this thing will play out even worse for the life of the United States of America. And they cannot afford. I mean, they talk about, they've boosted aid to Israel by $14 billion. What are they talking about? Humanitarian aid only a hundred million dollars, a drop in the ocean for, uh, 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 compared to the aid that they're giving to Israel. But how much longer can America sustain this? And at some point in time, Shafat, this bubble is going to burst.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, what's worrying me, in think, those uh, Muslim countries around, I mean, you know, they have it. I don't know. They. It was also said that Imran Khan's photo is in every second or third Palestinian home. And uh, you know, Pakistan being a nuclear power uh, is a poodle of or a stooge of the U.S. And also, you know, Erdogan and all the other countries around, uh, you know, already dragging the feet. Uh, why unite? You know, why the Muslim countries just uh, You know, go in and uh, do what has to be done to help the brothers and sisters, but uh, they wouldn't do it. What are they afraid of? Unite? You know? Oh,
0: when we're talking of Erdogan, for instance, uh, Erdogan, I think, has been the biggest disappointment in the Muslim ummah. We knew uh, for a long time where some of these Gulf countries stood. Uh, Saudi Arabia was on the verge of normalization with Israel. The UAE has backed the Zionist entity all the way. Okay. We've seen now uh, countries that have normalized Morocco, Bahrain. We've seen what has been playing out there, the mass protests that have taken, uh, taken place. And there is a lot of anger on the ground. There is a lot of anger on the ground, even in a country like Egypt. Last night, I spoke to uh, Dr. Matt Gilbert, this Norwegian physician, and he's done a lot of work out in Gaza, and he's been there when previous incursions had taken place. He's worked at the El Shibar Hospital. And when I asked him, I said, what is the mood on the ground? And he says it is anger. He says there is so much anger, even in Cairo, in Egypt, right across the entire Muslim world. But for me, the biggest disappointment has been Erdogan, And uh, we know for a long time, Erdogan. uh, they've had economic ties. Uh, Turkish Airlines were flying in and out of Tel Aviv. Uh, Israelis were in and out of Turkey as well. And uh, this whole economic cooperation. So what they've done is they basically sacrificed. They sacrificed human lives for their own economic interests. And this goes for most of the Arab countries, most of the Muslim world. This includes Pakistan, interesting that you speak about Imran Khan and his voter in almost every Palestinian home. One of the reasons why Imran Khan was taken out of power was Mm. because he refused to normalize with Israel. He refused to normalize with Israel. So this is where, you know, one reads uh, and looks at the geopolitics when one looks at the uh, political landscape in the Muslim world. I mean, you've got something like, what, 17 Arab countries, you've got another 50-odd Muslim countries right across the entire world. At this point in time, totally impotent, totally unable to do anything. And all we've heard, we've, we've heard about the Cairo Summit. We've heard about all these leaders meeting. What are they doing? They're running to the very same United Nations. United Nations needs to do something. The United States needs to do something. So appealing to the very aggressors, appealing to the very oppressors, who have been, uh, who have played a huge and a major part. In what we see as far as this carnage and this genocide uh, that is unfolding
1: in, uh, in the virtual part. Well, you know, before I let you go, uh, there's a lot of questions in uh, South Africans. You know, the way our government reacted uh, to this uh, crisis, and you know, they were very vociferous. They uh, gave the Israelis, even uh, Malema, gave them a rough time in this country, the Israeli embassy and so forth. Nalidi Pando, who you have uh, spoken to, also very vociferous. Uh, some are asking, what is the repercussions of this, uh, you know, to, uh, for, for South Africans? Because, you know, the Israelis, they, they don't let anyone off the hook. If you anti them, they start doing something with a big brother, with Uncle Sam helping them. Uh, what will happen in Well, just
0: uh, interesting you mentioned this, because just this morning we were actually uh, discussing this very issue in terms of what sort of consequences there would be for uh, South Africa. And I spoke to someone by the name of Ibrahim Pakudi, and uh, he's uh, a journalist, uh, you know, of international repute. Uh, he's worked with Al Jazeera, and uh, he's uh, very afraid with what's happening. And this was a question, because what we did is we analyzed uh, Pandor's uh, speech in the United Nations. And uh, I asked him, I said, what could this mean for South Africa? And he says, definitely there will be some consequences for South Africa. Uh, When you look at, uh, you know, they've got their tentacles all over from an economic perspective. But again, you know, uh, Malema uh, called obviously a spade a spade. He said that the Israeli uh, ambassador needs to be kicked out. He says we can't even breathe the same air as the Israeli ambassador is breathing. So there is very, very strong sentiment coming through from the likes of the EFF. The ANC, on the other hand, are still trying to play a role where they feel that they can try and facilitate or be part and parcel of some sort of a peace deal between uh, Palestinians and Israel. And uh, they're still pushing for the two-state uh, solution, coexisting side by side, but again, calling for uh, the 1967 borders. Now, that we know is not going to happen because since 1967, despite the UN resolution, despite the agreement, despite Camp David, despite all the uh, Accords that were signed, Israel has reneged on each and every one of them. And all they've done over a period of time has been more land theft, more land grab, and uh, they've just expanded all the time. Now, we know uh, at this point in time that the aim of Israel, and it has become apparent, it become clear, that they wanted to flatten Gaza. They wanted Gaza to be flattened and uh, for two reasons. One is uh, they wanted all the people of Gaza out, and move these refugees in Egypt. They want to clear out the West Bank, and they want to move them out into Jordan. So what they're only focusing on then is al They're focusing on Jerusalem. But let us also remember that there are economic interests that are playing out. There are huge gas reserves on the coast of Gaza as well. And uh, looking at uh, some of the deals that could have been struck, I mean, if, um, if, if, if the Arabs are talking about a pipeline from the, from, from, uh, from their land, from the Arabian Sea, uh-huh. right into India. They're talking about a gas pipeline. What would stop Israel and Turkey? And remember, Turkey needs energy as well. Turkey is, is very, very close. What would stop Turkey and, and, and Israel signing some sort of a pipeline deal, exploring all those gas, those uh, uh, gas that have, have been unexplored at this point in time, and to tap into this valley to go into Turkey as well. So there's a lot of other issues that you know one needs to consider when one looks at this conflict because there are bigger issues there are major issues and i'm sure if we're in time to come a lot of this will come to light shafat
1: that's why uh, we need a major like you major in politics our very own inaith uh, wadi inaith uh, you know great chat with you and uh, you know you made us uh, read in between the lines and you've given us information that inshallah will hold Duma in good stead. Your parting words uh, before I let you go this evening?
0: Well, my parting words is today being the day of Jummah, and once again, we still have an opportunity. Dua's are accepted, and uh, again, uh, we need to continue. We need to make dua. We need to continue in our unwavering solidarity with the people of Palestine. We need to persist in our efforts to raise awareness. We need to amplify our voices. We need to fervently supplicate with firm belief that Allah wa justice will prevail and will prevail swiftly against these uh, oppressors, and we make dua for the ummah. We make dua that Allah uh, shower them with His mercy uh, to pour upon them, uh, you know, patience to make them steadfast. And we know they are resilient; they are very, very steadfast nation. And more importantly, to grant them victory over their oppressors, Allah wa uh, ta'ala elevate the ranks to reunite uh, those. Uh, that have been martyred for their loved ones, inshallah, in the gardens of Jannah. I mean, Allahumma Ameen, Shabbat.
1: Allahumma Ameen, as you say, uh, I will Allah like give them Jannah tilfir, those I uh, Have a beautiful evening ahead. Inshallah, we'll talk to you in the fourth night. as alaikum warahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go for a break. When we get back, inshallah, we'll be joined by Member Parliament, Ahmad Mandur Sheikh Imam.